Hello, church family. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've long anticipated this moment, preaching my very last sermon as pastor of Muckleteo Presbyterian Church. It's an opportunity for me to say everything I didn't say the past 38 years. Do you have some time? Just kidding. I reckon I've preached in the neighborhood of 1,500 sermons over the course of my ministry in Muckleteo. Is that possible? Kudos to my wife, Lynn, who has heard every one of them and more starting back in seminary. A shout out to my dear friends, Kathy and George Ritterbush, who have heard more of my sermons at MPC than anyone else. Kathy was on the original pastor nominating committee that brought me to Muckleteo years ago. Good choice, Kathy. It so happens that my most memorable sermon was the very first one at MPC. It was my candidating sermon, after which the congregation was to vote on whether to call me as their pastor. It was a nerve-wracking thing for me to begin with. But halfway through my sermon, a lady passed out in the pew. This was in the old church building, and the, and the poor woman was wedged in the gap between the outside wall and the end of the pew. I stopped my sermon midstream. People rushed to her aid. We called for the aid car. The fire station siren went off. In the meantime, I offered a prayer for her. The, uh, the aid people took her to the nearest medical clinic, and some 15 minutes later, I picked up my sermon where I left off, and hoped that the congregation would accept me. Fortunately, the story has a happy ending, both for me and for the woman. I was voted in and she proved to be okay. But I've often wondered about the cause of her fainting. Was it the result of the Holy Spirit falling upon her with power and conviction? Or was it perhaps my less than scintillating sermon? Or did she have a health condition of some kind? I still don't know for sure. If my first sermon was my most memorable, I think this last sermon today is undoubtedly the strangest. Who would have thought I'd be preaching my last sermon at MPC via a cell phone camera while isolated in my office? Weird. This is a season of great change both for the church and for me. But there's nothing new about that, for life is all about continuous change. There's an old French proverb, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things change, the more it's the same thing. Change is difficult. If uh, you and I are in a good season of our life, we would prefer to keep things the same. But as much as we might wish to have it be otherwise, life moves on. There is wisdom in accepting that. The writer of Ecclesiastes reminds us that life has its changing seasons. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. Time to kill and a time to heal. Time to tear down and a time to build. Time to weep and a time to laugh. Time to mourn and a time to dance. Time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Time to search and a time to give up, time to keep and a time to throw away. Time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, time for war and a time for peace. The writer of Ecclesiastes goes on to say, what do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. 
He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Seasons of life are constantly changing. Nothing stays the same. Children will grow up and leave home. People will come in and out of our lives. Relationships will change. The context of our lives will change. Life will take new turns, no matter how much we wish we could keep things just as they are. There is indeed wisdom in accepting this simple fact. Life has its seasons, and we can't prevent the changing of these seasons any more than we can control Mother Nature and prevent fall from overtaking summer. As a particularly sweet season of life comes to an end, we will inevitably experience a sense of loss. There are times when we are called upon to physically and emotionally turn loose some of our dearest relationships. It's not easy to let go of that which has brought us much joy. I must confess to you that I approach my retirement with very mixed emotions. On the one hand, I'm excited about beginning a new chapter of my life with its freedom to explore new interests and experience, and experience new adventures, but at the same time there's a feeling of losing something very precious. I must let go of something that's brought me such joy and satisfaction over the years. Joy and excitement, but mingled with grief. Sometimes we, we think about grief only in relationship to someone who has died, but, but grief accompanies any significant loss, though we may not recognize it as such. John Killinger, a well-known pastor, reminds us that, that we can grieve when we are staring at our children, or watching the leaves turn brown in the fall, or sitting by a loved one in the hospital, or noticing how a neighborhood has run down, or realizing we are developing arthritis in our joints, or observing that the roses in a vase on the table have wilted since yesterday. They creep over us when we look through an old picture album, or find that our eyesight is getting worse for reading the telephone book, or watch a familiar landmark being torn down to make way for something else, or hear that someone we knew has died. All of us are mourning the many losses we've experienced during these many months of pandemic. Social isolation and illness has caused untold grief. As a church family, we long for the days when we could meet freely for in-person worship and not worry about it. We realize more than ever just how important our social gatherings. We're social beings, after all. And we appreciate all the more the ties that bind us together as a church family. So how do you and I deal with the grief that accompanies the inevitable losses we experience in life? As I thought about that, it seems to me that one of the most important things to do is to allow ourselves to grieve. Sometimes friends respond to our losses with well-meaning but unhelpful advice. Cheer up, they say. Could be worse. Or try not to think about it. But it trivializes our losses just not to think about them. Keeping a stiff upper lip is not always a good thing. If we feel like crying, then cry. Shedding tears is healthy. Coming to terms with our own grief is an important first step in letting go of, of one precious season of life and moving on to another. 
give yourself permission to grieve. It's also helpful to remember that it's often only in letting go that we were able to discover the greater rewards of life. It's often the case that one chapter of life comes to an end only to be followed by a new one in which we find new opportunities for growth and discover new gifts to enjoy. Loss is often followed by a great gain in God's economy. The disciples had to let go of the physical presence of Jesus, allowing him to leave in order to gain the presence of the Holy Spirit, who was to come and whose presence would not be limited in space and time. Jesus explained to them that it was for their benefit that he had to leave. Jesus helped the disciples understand that they had to let go of him in order to experience something even better. Their loss would turn to gain. And this is so often the pattern in life. Parents with fear and trepidation let go of their children, sending them out of the nest and experience loss only to realize the great gain that comes when they're able to welcome back their now adult children who have become, hopefully, mature, responsible, and independent people. Letting go of jobs, abilities, and friendships almost always leads to the discovery of new ones, which we never would have experienced otherwise. When one door closes, another one opens. And sometimes it's far better than what we had before. We ourselves have to let go of our own ego, our own wills, and die to ourselves in order to, in order to gain Christ, allowing him to have his way with us, who showers us with every spiritual blessing under heaven. I think of the Apostle Paul who said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I have lost all things. He had to let go of his own pride and and self-righteousness in order to gain the wonderful blessings of being in right relationship with God through Christ. In so many areas of life, we have to be willing to let go, physically and emotionally and spiritually, as hard as it may be. It can sometimes lead to something better. Oftentimes, we have to be willing to let go and let God. Yeah, I know it's a well-known and, and well-worn cliche, but it's helpful in this context. The reason why letting go is so hard is that we have to give up control. Most of us are control freaks. We like to have everything just so in life. We like to manage and orchestrate people and things in our life situations uh, and make them to our liking. But then to our dismay, we find life changes. We realize we are not in control and we begin to panic. We have to admit our own helplessness, something that's very hard for many of us to do. It's then that we must give our loved ones, our relationships, our dreams, our gifts, our circumstances into the ultimate control of another. The Old Testament tells of a time in David's life when he felt utterly out of control. He was being chased around the countryside by his enemies and he knew at that moment that he was no longer effectively managing his life or the affairs of others. He had to admit his own helplessness and his own inability to save himself or others. But to his credit, he relinquished control of his life into the hands of another. He prayed, but I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. You and I have to let go and let God. When we send a child away to college, we let go of our control of them and we give them over into the care of God. 
We pray that God will watch over him or her in our absence. When we stand at the bedside of a loved one who is dying, we realize that we're not in control and we give them into the care of God, knowing that God in his love will never let them or us go. Letting go is what faith is all about. Putting faith in a God who, in the words of the writer of Ecclesiastes, makes all things beautiful in its time. In other words, through all the changing seasons of our lives, there is one who endures forever. One who has a plan, who is bringing about his good purposes for us, even if we don't understand those purposes at the time. When it feels as though everything is constantly shifting beneath our feet, we reach out to God in trust, knowing that he will hold us fast. Let go and let God entrust the changing seasons of your life to him, and he will save you in his unfailing love. Let God have his way with you, and God will make everything beautiful in its time. There is a time for everything, says Ecclesiastes, and a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to work and a time to retire. Of course, we never really retire, not from life, certainly, and not from ministry, for that matter. It will only take a new form. And I'm open to whatever God would now call me to do. I thank God for calling me to this ministry, and I thank all of you for your love and support through the years. You are very dear to me. You have helped me to become a better person and a better pastor. I couldn't imagine serving a better church. It has been the greatest privilege of my life to have served with you as your pastor. And it's been said that if you want to be successful, then surround yourself with great people. Leanne Hendrickson, Jim Beeren, Janet Coe, Beth Furman, Paul Calabori, Kyle Berg, and Teresa Haskins have been incredible to work with. They have made enormous contributions to whatever success I have enjoyed as a pastor. Thank you, MPC staff. And last but certainly not least, I thank my amazing wife, Valen, my partner in life and ministry. What can I say? I can't imagine life without her. She's God's special gift to me. I am truly blessed. For years now, you have heard the gospel according to Mark, and now you will get to hear the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew Young is a great choice for this church, and it will be so exciting to have him on board to help lead this church onward and upward. And we wish him God's very best. And I know you will show Matthew and his family that same love and support you have so generously given to me and my family over the years. The word goodbye was first used in the late 16th century. And it is a contraction of God be with ye. And so I say goodbye to you in that sense, not goodbye forever, but God be with ye, Muckleteo Presbyterian. Keep the faith. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.